0: Previously on Funny Science Fiction.
1: Yeah, I had a screensaver on my phone for the longest time. That's a pi- that was a picture of Pedro Pascal. And he's holding the the Sailor Moon wand.
2: <laughs> I know that picture. Hi, we're Eric and Julia Lee Wolf.
0: and we're here with the Funny Science Fiction podcast. The podcast where the CGI is bad, but the story and characters are way worse.
3: Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund. Which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Redshirt crewman number 84. You'll know that when he puts on a little red shirt and joins Goliath, Wolverine, and Mafratina in saving humans from their own evil, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope because the Redshirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of his latex suit.
0: Our guests today are a writer and producer combo couple. In the world of animation eric and julia Lewald have been big parts of such shows as the 1990s x-men animation series young hercules robocop Darkwing duck and so many others they're also involved in the resurgence of the x-men animated series x-men 97 which will be coming to disney plus sometime in the near future and by god i cannot wait for that we are so excited to welcome eric and julia Lewald to our show thank you for joining us tonight hey thank you so much for having
2: us on definitely yeah,
0: now, I've seen that many of, many of the credits that you guys have on IMDB are credits that are shared between the two of you, whether as a writer or producer, one does one job, one does the other. And it appears that the two of you work very often together. Now, many married couples with, would struggle with such a, a, a working scenario. I love my wife dearly, but I'm pretty sure she would kill me by day number three. Now, have you guys learned how to use the benefits of one to benefit uh, you know one to cover the the weaknesses of the other and and how does how does it work for you guys when it comes to putting a show together?
4: We met um, as writers uh, for the Disney afternoon. It was my first professional job. Uh, you've been doing this for a few more years. I was so thrilled to finally get a job doing what I'd always wanted to do, which was write for somebody anything. and you you wanted to be a writer too. So we both loved what we do when we met each other and it's, you've often said it's like being a war buddy you know you've been in the trenches with someone we can communicate fairly easily about the, the work struggles either one of us has
2: yeah it's not hard when you know it's, it's end of the day and, and you know how was how was how was the office dear well we both had the same jerk that we were mad at you know, <laughs> that we're, we're work, you working on the same project and have the same kind of problems so there's a great deal of empathy there but but as far as working together on project, projects, you develop serious uh, diplomatic skills, uh, gentle suggestions, uh, because yeah, giving giving your spouse notes is not often the easiest thing in the world. And we, what 90% of the time, luck, um, we've gotten at ease with working with each other and kind of trust each other. We just kind of split the work here. You yep. take half, you take half, mm-hmm. and couple months later we're done and our our desks are six or eight feet apart right over there you know we get together for lunch and dinner but except for when we're developing a new show together mostly it's you take half and you take half and I'll see you when we're done so that is some writing teams uh, I don't even think of this as a writing team no. it's it's a constant back and forth you know throwing jokes at each other and trying out scenes and no it's just like She'll write a script, I'll go through and make notes. I'll write a script, she'll go through and make notes. We pretty much are two people making a series go. And mm-hmm. sometimes one of us is on it. Oh, there's our German shepherd. Sorry about that. So, hey, 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 hey. A little bit of background noise. Yeah. That's uh, okay. Having, having him inside, he'll bark less. Uh,
4: one, one thing that we did develop over the years here was the, the one-time rule. <laughs> <laughs> if we're actually working together on a specific episode of something, uh we and when we're butting butting heads category we we each okay you get one so if, if i'm feeling very strongly about something and you are feeling very strongly the opposite direction which doesn't happen very often but when it does each of us gets one per thing to say no no i need to have this in or i need to take this out yeah. once <laughs> okay Helpful.
2: Yeah. yeah. The few times we actually do that together. But 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 our our great our great mentor in all this is uh, James T. Kirk, uh, because he would oh seven or eight times during the original series there'd be a tense moment and Bones would have one thought and Spock would have the other thought and they, they no one could agree and Kirk would pound his fist on the table and say gentlemen I need that third alternative <laughs> which some people don't think is a real thing because alternative is should be two things, <laughs> so can't have a third one. but you get the idea. You need, a lot of times in our business, neither thing works, but you find some third thing that both of you are pretty happy with. Wasn't your original idea, but you, so, and it happens with executives, with, with everybody we're working with, like, they, they tell you, you gotta take that scene out, and say, oh my God, that scene's so crucial, just ruined the story. Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying, no, you're an idiot, to the oh. executive. You say, oh I I understand you're not comfortable with the scene. Your suggestion doesn't work for me. How about this one? And that level of diplomacy is geez, it's like 80% of our struggles in yeah. in getting a show done get solved by that. And it takes it takes some thought and it takes getting to know the person that you're negotiating with. Yes. Okay. Uh, what the, you know what they'll respond to. So mm-hmm. that's X-Men wouldn't have worked. We had a wonderful censor because every kid's show has a has a broadcast standards person and our sure. person Coburn, luckily she was really she'd listen to us every time. We say we want to we want to start out our kid's show killing somebody in the first story. <laughs> uh, okay. Why is that? <laughs> and then but it, you
4: had a you had a reasonable answer she, to but that. But she
2: would go back and forth with us and she'd listen and she said, okay, just handle it handle it properly it
4: wasn't to be graphic it wasn't to be uh, obscene about it it was to show the hero's journey that the that the consequences yeah. were real in this world of x-men
2: yeah so just so yeah negotiations awesome great answer
1: i feel like that in any work relationship especially when it's i mean a work relationship but then a, a marital relationship that you have that that combination of the i know that we work together as people we work together as a couple we can work together as a writing team too that the, a lot of the the negotiation and the understanding each other comes across in your writing even in the in the way that the show works that the shows work so well because they're well written because you two make sense together like I like <laughs>
4: <that>. <laughs> I want to give Eric all the credit for um, the development of the X-Men series except it happened at our dining room table in our house because there were no offices back then. <laughs> But with Mark Evans, who was yeah. what we consider your head writer, and I was a writer on the show, so I got to be a fly on the yeah. wall for the whole thing and voice my opinions. A lot of the projects
2: were the, the two of us from the beginning mm-hmm. running the show, but uh, yeah, X-Men was... And Hercules, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, like Hercules and uh, Mummy's Alive, but X- yeah, X-Men was dropped in my lap. and To give credit where credit is due. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm.
1: so I actually wanted, since you're getting the credit, Eric, and then I'm going to thank both of you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys for the x-men series because if it weren't for the x-men series the mcu probably wouldn't be where it is now the x-men films wouldn't have happened the way that they did and that's huge to me
4: <laughs> you are speaking my language <laughs> i over the last 25 30 years i have i have looked back with fondness and i agree with you completely and i will go so far as to say without the success of x-men the animated series Marvel wouldn't have been in a position to ultimately make their first X-Men movies. No. There was an audience there because of X-Men the animated series because incredible as it was to believe in 92, the general audience of America did not know who the X-Men were. No, not at all. Bingo. And with the success of the X-Men movies, that then begat money to make Iron Man, to make Thor. So thank you. And confidence
2: out here because it was so weird in 92. Margaret Lesh, who's the president of Fox Kids. It's her baby, she made this happen. Mm-hmm. She brought Beetlejuice there, she brought Batman there, she brought The Tick, she brought Spider-Man. It's all her doing. And these are shows she could not,
4: couldn't sh- give away. she
2: couldn't give them away before, she <laughs> to the, the networks that were there before her back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And cause they just thought, ah, cartoon stuff, comic book stuff, I mean, comic book stuff. You know, we, we, there's not an audience for that. There's some pimply guys in, in basements reading that stuff. It's not there's not an audience for this mm-hmm. to the point where when we were hired I this mean, something that we've forgotten until we look back at it uh, we did the first thirteen and all the writers and artists were let go because they were pretty much pretty sure that it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna fly you know the and then it was a hit and okay great uh, what, what what other comic books are there you know what other Marvel stuff <laughs> but yeah it was just it wasn't something that that we, we wrote it assuming that, the, that our audience didn't know who these characters yeah. were. And that's just such a weird, given nowadays when 5 billion people know who the X-Men are, it was a weird uh, thing to think back on.
1: But did you guys, when you were doing the show originally, did you think that this was gonna start the wonderful thing that it did? Do you think oh. that,
2: did you have no. any
1: inclination that this was gonna kick comic books into the forefront?
2: No yeah. clue, no clue that this is gonna change pop culture like this
1: it was
4: exciting to be working on projects for the fledging fox kids network because mm-hmm. fox was trying to sort of muscle its way into the big three mm-hmm. broadcast networks and it, again this is ancient history to people who were born now and don't understand the concept that you can't watch you couldn't watch everything on your cell phone because right. cell phones didn't exist
2: <laughs> internet didn't exist
4: internet didn't exist but it, it was it really the the feeling was more being part of a scrappy team of everybody who was trying to get in there and, and, yeah. and fight for Fox Kids to make Fox, to lift Fox Kids and therefore Fox.
2: Yeah, the exciting thing for the creative staff, for the ha- the group of us that really weren't big X-Men fans beforehand, and we really I didn't know the books very well beforehand. It was just exciting that Fox was letting us write adult stories, because oh. so often when in in our business. You come up with what you think are marvelous stories, and they said, "No, no, no, dumb it down, cut off, cut out all that serious stuff. You know, make it, make it for six-year-olds and only six-year-olds, and and it's our money, so shut up and do it." And here it was. Yeah, we love that. We bought this because it's adult stories. Run with it. You know, you and your writers and your artists, make it as intense as you can. And so it was just it was this incredible gift. That was the feeling at the time. It wasn't like well. We're gonna make history, change television. It was we're actually getting paid to write exactly what we want to write as 30 That's year olds, awesome. 30 somethings, and that was the and the, for the people that knew the books, the the art, mostly the art mm-hmm. crew. For them, they were just oh, after 20 years of watching, 30 years of watching Hollywood not quite get comic books right, and you know, we're mm-hmm. not getting Marvel characters right on TV. This actually feels. Like true to the books, and so they were excited for that. We were excited to write adult stories, and so I think all that excitement came through. It wasn't it wasn't like work; it was like it was joy doing mm-hmm. it, and it made us fight to keep it because there were a lot of times when we started. We started in February of '92, and it takes a few months to write the scripts, draw the other storyboards, and a few months to animate. So there was this six to nine month period where. You don't know what the show's going to look like if it's all going to gel together and make sense and people are going to enjoy it. And we got a lot, you know, we got a lot of pushback from people. This is not like the cartoons I'm used to. You know, no nobody's going to buy my cereal. You know, no kid's going to watch this adult stuff between, you know. So we got a lot of pushback until it was successful. And then, of course, the day it was successful, all those worries evaporated. They all, all I'd loved it the whole time. But that was a tough nine months before yes. before, it had, before it hit.
0: See now, your guys' show in '92 came out. Uh, I had started really kind of getting into comic books about two years previous to that. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. I was in eighth
0: grade, uh, so you guys came out when I was in the tenth grade. Uh, so I would, you know, I was reading comic books with my buddies, and all of a sudden, here is this X Men uh, animated series, and I was like, oh, all right. And it, it, to me, it was just like you said, it was the thing, the thing that I, that drew me in about it was the fact that it wasn't dumbed down. The fact that it was very, I thought written for, you know, I was what, 15, 16, 17 at the time, somewhere in there. And I thought it was written for somebody my age who was reading the comic books, who was able to grasp uh, deeper storylines and, and things along those lines. I didn't feel like it was written for a younger audience. And I always felt that it was very true to the books. And I love, honestly. Uh, it's and I'll I'll tell you this, it's because of your animated series that Wolverine has always been my favorite character. Me too. So, uh. you know, I I grew to love him through the animated series, and when the X Men movie came out and it was going to be Hugh Jackman, I was really excited. The only thing that really pissed me off about that is he didn't have his yellow and blue suit, and I was so mad about that. <laughs> I'm still a little peep. I still love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but. But so many things could have been solved in my brain if he would have just come out at least once in a yellow and blue suit, not the black and yellow suit that they put him in in the first movie. But that's my soapbox and I'm down now.
4: (laughs) But for the movies, let me also point out, as Kathleen was mentioning earlier, they had 30 years to pull their team from the comic book X-Men to make the movie X-Men.
2: 30 years of comic books. 30 years
4: of comic books. They chose basically the same team that that you chose for X-Men the Animated Series. And I think that speaks to... The success of the of the animated
2: series
4: and, and the audience that
2: found it, and we 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 at at Grand Rapids, I think it was we we oh, hung yeah. out with David Hader who who got who was one of the many many people that wrote in the first couple movies. Mm-hmm. He got the correct screenwriting credit for the first two X Men movies, and he said, "Oh yeah, don't don't even think about comic books." He said the director never picked up a comic book. We just watched your show over and over and over. Awesome. So they, that's that was their starting point for the movies and uh that you know that was that was you know cool to hear from him because it reinforced our idea that again there's this one person margaret lesh she for the eight for 10 years tried to get x-men on tv wouldn't get on she becomes president she puts it on tv it's a hit things are so separated out here in hollywood she went to the feature people like Think maybe in '97. Oh, earlier than that. '96, '97. When when we were winding down, and said, "You guys got to do, you know, a feature out of this thing because I mean, look, we have hundreds of millions of fans around the world. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you?" Do- and it's like, "You know, features, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know, play it plays it plays as a cartoon. I don't. Yeah, you know, I can't see this. But- so she pushed a little more, and they went ahead and and gave it a, a shot. But again, there was no now. Everybody can't wait to be in a Marvel movie. At the time it was like, do we really have to, spend on this in stuff? Suit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was a it was a different time. Yes. Absolutely. I think
1: though the timing from the animated series to the feature films actually worked really well because you had the kids who grew up watching the cartoon who now are adults who could go to we had all the it disposable income to go see yeah, the movie yeah. now. <laughs> we and had the disposable
0: income to go buy all the things that came with the movie. So, yeah. <clears throat> not that I did. Yeah. I mean, I
1: literally grew up watching the the animated shows. My yeah. brothers watched them. I was 2 months old when the show premiered. Um, but I watched it through to 97 when it ended. Yeah. I loved that mm-hmm. show. So then like Tim said, Wolverine was my favorite wolverine is the best and so yeah. when the wolverine movie came out and i'm like oh, Yay! He actually, he's a person now
4: yep the, the credit too. the movie logan broke my heart in a beautiful I know. way the fact yeah. that people are saying oh you had 17 years for these films no yeah you had like more years for those characters because of the animated series bringing you into the movies and then bringing you to the, to the conclusion with logan which is like again it made and, my heart
3: break and
2: just you know our, our dear friend who passed a couple of years ago len oh, Wien,
3: then, yes
2: who co-created wolverine mm-hmm. I and mean, he's a writer who with the artist dave cochran created wolverine storm colossus Nightcrawler, swamp thing you know just
4: crazy town a dozen
2: of marvel's uh, immortal characters mm-hmm. she lived long enough to to see logan and loved oh. it to see the movie. oh wow and
4: but i can tell you this, so good to know he he the world was so small back then in 92 Uh, we only had fax machines, didn't have the internet. We didn't, you didn't know that Lenny- We didn't know he
2: lived out here.
4: And in New York after Marvel Comics were and that's where he had been, but he had moved out to LA. So when you learned that fact, you reached out to him.
2: Yeah, and we we did the first series without knowing that he, the first 13, yeah the first uh, season of 13, without knowing he was out here and the fact that he'd written an animation script or two. So we found it out after the first series was done and there was a phone call. Hello, uh, uh, Mr. Wheat. Uh, we're, we're starting a second, so we, we called him in between seasons, and, and he was he's just wonderful. He, just, he was very so he's cool. a humble guy we ever met.
4: One of the, 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 the point to Wolverine I wanted to make about Len Wein was he, he got to write the episode in the last season, "Old Soldiers," which is an episode with Wolverine Captain America. and Captain America, mm-hmm. <laughs> and couldn't get permission from anybody at Marvel to use Captain America, but it's Len Wein writing the script, so he was able to make that magic happen. But FYI, Len Wein is of the opinion that there are no bone claws.
2: For, 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 the, can- for the cannon.
4: For his cannon, there are no bone claws. Yeah, it's all out oh, cool. because in, in Old Soldiers, there's a moment where he and Captain America are trying to climb a mountain face and Captain America hands him some repelling rapp- 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 hooks and he goes oh cool idea so the the irony is that in a few decades (laughs) he's going to become an adamantium monster
2: but there is a split in in the marvel world in the canon some people are adamant that no wolverine always had extendable bone claws and they just got covered with adamantium when he got adjusted but no there you go he didn't start out that way
0: i never i never liked the bone claws thing i've always I've always liked the fact that he got those as part of being, you know, part of Weapon X and, you know, just, so that's just always, I've always leaned that way, but
4: that's just me. Len Wein agrees with you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So you guys have definitely had a lot of projects that you're proud of, but was there like a smaller project that you guys have worked on that just needs a little more love?
4: <laughs> yeah, two, well,
3: two or three, yeah.
4: I got I, I I got to work on, and I'm I'm very proud of the work on, on a three part limited mini series back in the day, Red Planet, based on Heinlein's book. That um,
2: it it was it. That was just all her, not me.
4: But it it, it was not available. It was not produced by a mat by a major studio, so it's not been available for repeats, reruns, or anything. So it kind of is out in the ether there. But I was very proud of that, and happy about that. I love the work you did on the original animated series, The Tick. I, he's mm-hmm. uncredited on that, but you were key to the development. Yeah,
2: and that's when people know it, it just was when Ben Edlin, who's this incredibly creative person, who's you know, 23 at the time, some child. Ridiculous. Anyway, we're, we're, we've just had a couple, a season or two of X-Men and it's a huge hit. And he brings his 13 comic books that he's written about, of The Tick to say, well, could you make a TV show out of this? And Fox looks at it and said, this is the most amazing stuff we've ever seen. This is the best pitch we've ever gotten. And so he hadn't had no TV experience. So they asked me to help him to help to write the pilot script for it. So I oh, cool. basically sure. took part of his story stories and wrote the pilot script and then handed it to him. And then the person who's going to be the showrunner, I was in the middle of doing X-Men. So I I would have loved to have been, you know, heavily involved in the show, it was just like I helped them get started.
4: Easter egg alert uh, in yeah. the original pilot for the Tick animated series: uh, Arthur gets fired by, from his own browbeaten beaten boss, mm-hmm. and the browbeaten beaten boss's name is Mister Weederspawn. and that was our brother-in-law's last name. So when you hear the name <laughs> putting that in the in the show, so that's that's, that's awesome. Cruzy <laughs> was there.
0: That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, that's that's so cool. I love the original Tick. Actually, I, I love the Tick TV
2: shows on you know as well. Yeah, so, I oh, oh, one last one, one that that got that didn't get a lot of love, that because the idiotic studio didn't know how, didn't bother to put it on anywhere but four in the morning. Oh, um, while well, when we were all let go from exos from X from X Men after the first season, the writers and artists. We had about three four months before it was going to premiere and so we needed work we had to pay, <laughs> we had mortgages and we had babies mm-hmm. that just coming and so a friend of ours at universal had a had us do the first season of Squad, which was an action uh big space battle 52 episode mm-hmm. it's supposed to be 65 but they cut it off anyway a 52 episode space battle uh uh animated show from that time period and um oh, yeah. that was something we did and just as we were finishing the first season x-men came out and was a hit and we were all most of us were brought back but that was something that we are pretty proud of but again universal was new to kids programming and they didn't know oh we need to call up someone ahead of time and get a a good time on saturday morning
4: they didn't have a distribution arm in place yeah. To get Exo Squad out there. So
2: it was mostly stoned college kids that watched it, And I online, <laughs> along with it, but but not but not a big not a big audience.
3: I wasn't a stoned college kid, but I looking at the pictures, I'm like, oh, I do remember this. So.
2: <laughs> all right. So
0: let's talk a little bit of X Men '97. Now we're not going to push for exclusives or unknown details or anything along those lines here. Just a very hearty thank you from all of us to you for bringing that show back. And I'm excited just to see that this has been in the works and that there's there's something going on with it. And so I'm hoping what you can tell us is how this came to be about, how it got back on the table, and how did you go bringing about my childhood back in the most (laughs) awesome way possible?
4: (laughs) Okay, I have a semi-prepared statement here. That
0: i legally
4: <laughs> right, semi obligated to recite when we start We can about. add a little more to it. But, but. <laughs> On November 12th, 2021, Disney Plus Marvel announced its production of the show X Men 97, a continuation of X Men the Animated Series. Together with producer director Larry Houston, we have been brought onto the show as consulting producers. We are gratified and pleased. Beyond that, we have no comment. <laughs> wah, wah.
2: yeah.
4: But, but That is some the,
2: serious you know, legalese going on there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. with
4: Larry Houston, who was the uh, director of... Um, yeah,
2: he was, I was in charge of the, the art writers. He was in charge of the artists. Mm-hmm. He directed okay. the storyboards.
4: And every Easter egg you saw was, was him. Yeah. But all the great oh, art cool. was him. Uh, but the three of us have been asked to come back yeah. by Disney Plus to be a part of the new X-Men 97 family. Which, uh, when we got that phone call, could have knocked us over with a feather that this great. was going forward, but that it was going forward and they were also including those of us who would worked on the original show. Was, yeah, was yeah people had
2: asked forever about. Uh, we started going to cons about, jeez, uh, five years ago, five years ago <laughs> in 2017, where our first book came out. Woo! You see that X Men. Anyway, we started going to cons, and the third question at every panel was, "Are you going to bring the show back? Can you bring the show back?" Of course, we have no control over that and sure. that we, you know it was the but the favorite our favorite job ever we'd sure love to do more but that's really in other people's hands and even at the time this marvel didn't have all the rights to it fox had some disney had some it was all split up and so yeah. they weren't you know, there's just no way they were going to do a, a new series because they just weren't ready to so but then we heard from disney and of course we We would occasionally put feelers out to what little tiny (laughs) ability we had. Is anybody interested in doing some more of this? There's this immense fan base out there. Guys, don't you understand? And people say, yeah, 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 we understand, but we can't. So then Disney Plus came on and they asked us, when that was coming on, they asked us, to the rights were together to do the second book uh with, with, with their blessing with their blessing this time and about that time we'd heard that of all the things that they wanted to do once they got all the rights together and once disney plus was kind of out and rolling you know top of their list was was doing another x-men animated show and Dude, we,
4: that was that was that a, was just that was, the that was all we knew lie, the that was, yeah
2: was just, okay this is really going to happen sometime but we don't know who's going to do it we don't know what direction it's going to go?
4: It could be because there are many X-Men animated. There's X-Men, there's uh, series. There's X-Men Evolution. There's War and the X-Men. There's yeah, the anime. Right. They, could, they could go in any direction. We didn't know.
2: Yeah. So then, then we got. We basically found out, like a couple of weeks before the announcement. were well, we, you know, not that long before you, you know, before you found out. Said, so look, they've committed a, a wonderful, huge budget. It's going to be a beautiful show. Uh, they've got all these excited Very people, 30 somethings that are kind of like what we were then, mm-hmm. uh, that are, that are just going 24 seven, going to build this, this glorious thing. And the crucial thing was it's going to be a continuation of our series. That's why they called it X-Men 97. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going awesome. it, to start up, uh, soon after our, our series of stories ended and we'll have references so that if you've seen our five seasons, it'll feel like it's the same characters going forward with new stories. It's not a a different universe, it's not a different team, it's not a different tone. It's, if you've seen the designs online, they're 95% similar to ours. They're just cleaned up and modern and (laughs) and computerized and sparkly (laughs) because they can.
1: But we get our Wolverine back.
2: (laughs) Yes.
4: You, I see you may have seen online then that,
2: that Cal, Cal uh, Don, yeah,
4: Yes. he's the voice I hear in my head whenever I see an individual. I can oh listen gosh. to this
0: all day. I yeah, am we so just, excited. We just had uh, our, our last week's episode was with Jennifer Hale. And
4: oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. So, and I just noticed on her uh, IMDB has been updated that uh, she is part of the show and it's, it's oh, yeah. in, in, in noted as in pre-production. So very excited about that. That's we had so... such a ball talking with Jennifer
1: my daughter is three and a half and into superheroes so much superheroes are her favorite right now excellent and Love so i'm kid. like as soon as the x-men 97 drops it's the okay girl we're doing this one yeah no more no more superhero squad no more spidey and his amazing friends <laughs> but you know you're going head first into x-men i can't with wait with the
4: original series
0: you know? yeah, yeah. I can't wait to watch rewatch the original five seasons and then start right into this. Because oh, so yeah. I, I will I will binge watch the original five seasons probably the two weeks before the first episode drops. Oh,
4: okay. So you will
0: yeah.
4: that was that was us doing the work for the, the art and making of book was re, was just going in and re-watching all the episodes, remembering everything and going, gosh, there was some dense material there. There was some heavy yeah. duty stuff that got discussed, you know, very reward rewarding. And, you know, looking forward to uh, where this thing is going to go.
1: So as we've been talking X-Men, and I have a fun story about X-Men to share, that I got in trouble in elementary school for, we were playing X-Men on the playground, (laughs) and one of my friends told me that I couldn't be Wolverine because I was a girl. I had to be Storm, and I told him that that was a stupid answer, and I could be Wolverine if I wanted to, and pushed him off a snowbank (laughs) while yelling, I'm Wolverine, and got in trouble for that. (laughs) which i anticipate is going to happen in my very near future with the tiny version that i've made of myself
4: (laughs) but you know if you were a storm and you push him into a snowbank
1: that's okay because you were doing storm you know i'm just i'm just saying i'm just just,
0: doing my job
1: he just didn't think that i could be wolverine because i was a girl but wolverine was my favorite and sorry that happened but i yeah, yeah i was gonna i was gonna fight him for it and yeah, and then I got in trouble for pushing him off a snowbank. I mean, but, Wolverine would have. Right? Wolverine totally would have pushed somebody off of a snowbank. You,
0: or you could have said, fine, I'm Lady Deathstrike, and then kicked his body like that. But, you know. <laughs> That's true. That is true.
1: So when you guys did anyway. the original series, were there characters that you wanted to have brought into the show that you guys didn't get to bring into the show? That potentially get to come into 97?
4: Oh, we we're not gonna go there. <laughs> no, but, but but um, the sort of standardized answer uh, about who would we have liked to, would as a writer would I've liked to include it, who is the showrunner you would like to include it. It was a real juggling act, just trying to service the main team. This this oh, sure. wasn't like say Batman, where you you know you had your main character and then in in the service of the story, everything around him trying to figure out why isn't Wolverine in this story, but if he's over here and then Rogue's over here doing that. That was that yeah. was a challenge. Yeah. Just making sure everyone got service. Eight main
2: characters and enough massive villains to to make them endangered. Yeah. And personal stories and you know family uh c- connections and old lovers and you know yeah you started out and okay we've got 22 minutes to tell a story and try and you've, you've noticed a lot of the episodes will maybe have like groups of two or three people There, some of them are off one place, some of them are off another place. They can't get to the fight mm-hmm. so that we only have two or three people in the, in the middle of the action. Cause just lugging around, It's like, you need a school bus yeah. to lug everybody <laughs> around. And, and yeah. then once you've got a fight going, you don't want people just standing around and not participating. It's not real. So you wanted them all using their powers. A lot of the writers had, Oh man, Here's an episode with 37 of my favorite characters in it. I, and all their powers show up and it's all cool. And everyone's on for like three seconds. And they were very excited and they wanted to see their favorites. And I just, as the head writers held my head and said, We got room for two of those people. <laughs> you know, okay. Right. Pair it down. So, so we never, it, it kind of, my job was kind of to hold it all together and keep the ship from sinking. Yeah. So the last thing I was thinking, oh my God, there are all these. The, I never was the situation where there are people that I wanted to get on the show that that I couldn't. It was it was kind of the reverse.
4: <laughs> but for example, Nightcrawler was such an interesting character, yeah, I and mean, we in- you got to do with two episodes for that crawler. So there
2: was a third one sure. where he shows up short, okay. but but two real serious episodes with him.
4: Yeah, and and the same with uh, Colossus. You know, mm-hmm. interesting characters that that they yeah. It's just a challenge. Yeah. and then we with, did
2: and we did one with Iceman, and probably could have done a couple, not you know, more with him. But there's so many characters throughout. The, Mar- That's yeah. I'm imagining when they when at some point Marvel throws all the x-men characters into the current marvel universe mcu what kind of nuclear fusion that's going to be trying to juggle all that so yeah it's uh it's a lot to it's a lot to juggle
0: well like and and like you said there's the issue of of giving each character enough do credit, making sure that their backstories are explained and that their personal interconnections between this character and that character are explained. And, you know, a lot of people complain about the, uh, the love lives and things of daytime drama characters, but I don't think they've really read enough comic books because they'd stop (laughs) complaining because I think the only thing that has more of a detailed, uh, sexual history is possibly Greek mythology. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. i mean,
1: wrong. I yeah. mean, let's
0: yeah. face it, Greek mythology would be about that thick without Zeus sex life. Okay. Oh, yeah.
2: So we yeah. yeah. got <laughs> yeah, babies everywhere. We, yeah. We uh you're <laughs> talking about that X-Men really is is a soap opera, and yeah. we and we we agree mm-hmm. that and I loved I my I I grew up with my dad reading me Greek mythology and Norse mythology. So,
4: Your father was a professor.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so that was and he didn't have any. Again, didn't have any sense of what's inappropriate for you know a five year old. <laughs> uh, here's Hercules. You know, he killed hundred people when he was a child. But yeah, so, so yeah, I, I very much appreciate all the, the personal the personal stories that make up big epic action and big heroic action. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not. It doesn't really resonate with people. Doesn't really stay with people unless the personal elements in there.
1: Yeah, I'm one of those people that like I know people got sick of the the Marvel origin story movies that individual characters getting their individual movies I would watch those all day every day for every character if they did it
0: I I want a gambit one so bad <laughs> <laughs> oh we yeah we almost we, we almost we almost had one with Channing Tatum yeah. almost yeah. had one and I so oh, that so ticks me off but yeah the, Gambit is probably my second favorite character past, past Wolverine, and they'll only have had him for a little bit in that X-Men or Origins Wolverine movie.
4: And, and I love Taylor Kitsch. I'll
0: just, yeah. you
4: know, I, I got no, but, but I, again, there's sometimes in the animated series, there was a chance to every half hour over the course of five years to sort of meet these characters and, and get to know them. Mm-hmm. Movies are tough when you when you got you expect between an hour and a half and two hours to tell the whole thing and right. introduce everybody, do the thing, have the conflict, and then resolve it.
0: Yeah, you got to bookend it in that in that time.
4: So I, I, the animated series did have that luxury of you know introducing the players and letting you get to know them over mm-hmm. a period of time, and I'm grateful
1: for that. And I think Agreed. too with the the Disney limited series now, well, that's yeah, I love that. And I, if that's what they keep doing with as they're introducing characters to the to the multiverse, that would be awesome. That would be fantastic. Oh. With the, this is how we're going to sneak this person into. He's already been here. You just didn't realize it. It's like.
0: I just want them to fix their pacing problem. Other than that, we're good. I think there's a pacing issue with with the miniseries, but that's just me.
1: I'm <laughs> still working out a few kinks.
0: It's all right. I'm I'm getting characters that I wouldn't have gotten any other way. So I'm, for the most part, I'm sitting down and shutting up, but I just, since we're talking about it, I just let it slip out. There's that.
3: As far as Gambit goes, I, I still prefer the us staff and playing cards as my weapons. So <laughs> <laughs> I actually learned how to throw playing cards because of that, but. I
4: was gonna say, who among us did not throw playing cards? You know, And I was an adult. Right. <laughs>
0: so <laughs> disappointed that they, so disappointed when they didn't do anything when they hit the object. <laughs> We've had a lot
3: of inspirations that we get as we're growing up. What were the inspirations in your lives to become writers?
4: Well, and I was, I was fortunate. Uh, my, both my parents were, were, were professionals and we, uh, we grew up in a house full of books and TV and just the, the joy of reading, the love of that material, finding a book you love, finding a show you love. It didn't even occur to me to be a writer but in looking back, I, I was, I had a spiral notebook at all times when I was a kid and I was always writing little things in it. Then when the idea of actually moving from Texas where I grew up to Los Angeles to try and break into Hollywood, it you can do that or you can at least try to do that. That's how that works. Touchstones for me when I was growing up, uh, gotta say the original Star Trek series, that boy did that imprint on me. And the, the Wicked BBC, because uh, DFW for some reason, our PBS station was the first in the country to start running Monty Python. And I felt <laughs> nice. so hip watching Monty Python. I'm feeling so cool and clever, but Monty <laughs> Python, Star Trek and science fiction books that really were formative for me. I think if that's what you're asking.
2: In yeah. Terms of things I love. Yeah. Excellent. And I, yeah. And I, I was telling you, my dad would read me the old ancient myths and things. Uh, he was, a. Uh, he was a, a war refugee from mm-hmm. from Europe through Argentina. So he had quite he had quite an epic story himself. But he just he he loved stories. He loved culture. He loved the movies. When he was in Argentina as a teen, and they were basically penniless illegal refugees there. Buenos Aires had a huge like in Paris had these huge boulevards full of movie theaters, and it's probably like a nickel you know to go and he'd spend all day in the movie theater. And so. I uh, I grew up with him taking me to the movies a lot, and some strange, very adult movies too, you know, like foreign films and things. So I grew up appreciating storytelling through him, and wasn't quite sure where that was going to go, but just in in college, the movie thing hit me, and I and a bunch of friends, four or five of whom worked on X-Men, were in the University of Tennessee, the people that uh, program the the movies for the students. I mean, people. Don't really, it was before it was before home video. So we programmed like 190 movies a year at the university, and mm-hmm. in effect, became it was it was our own education. And because we we had a, had a group of about 25 people committee that would fight over which movies we were going to show and horse trade. And it was like it was like being a politician. And and I'll show three of these epic westerns if you know, but it, I'll give you your two romantic comedies and all that. So loved, loved uh, going to the movies and came out here, you know, you know made, made a couple low budget movies myself, came out here, uh, hope, you know, hoping that Hollywood would work and of course being very naive and, oh, this place is strange and I don't know anybody here and this be, this could be difficult uh it is for everybody everybody's got their story coming Mm -hmm. out here but yeah it was it was uh, books and movies and star trek and star trek she was eight i was 11. i says i remember the the night the first episode showed was the day before i was going to move from minnesota to tennessee Mm i was at my best friend's house in his basement watch and what is the show september 1966 what is the show i'm watching this is so cool with the salt monster. That was the first episode and it just it grabbed me and it stuck with me. And it was one of those early things that you never forget, like a song you never forget. Mm-hmm. So that, awesome. that was our, that was what grabbed our youth that, that series. And
4: when we met That's at Disney, awesome. it was again, kind of at the at the beginning of VHS and all that kind of fun stuff. So it was like, Oh, you think, you know, Star Trek? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about X episode? You know, that was us kind of, Bouncing off each other. Nice. You know, Star Trek was that for us there
1: too. That's See, it's cool. funny. The, one of the friends of mine that I had in school that we're still friends and we watched X Men 97 together when I'd go over to her or X Men in 1997. We'd watch it together when she'd come over or when I'd go to her house. I remember one of the times I went over to her, her house and her parents had just built this brand new house. We went downstairs to go down to watch TV and he's got her dad's got this huge bookshelf filled with dvds and vhs and i'm like oh this is so cool and i'm looking through and i'm like realizing the whole center of this bookshelf is star trek on vhs the entire series the entire original series and next gen and i'm like oh my god i have found my people <laughs> yeah. Well, you
4: yeah. did you found our people too apparently so
0: All right. So kind of bouncing off of Nick's question there about your inspiration to become a writer. So I have to assume that in order to be a writer for these super cool animated shows and things that you guys have done over the years, that you have to have a depth of nerd knowledge, or at least have access to a depth of nerd knowledge to be able to write successfully. So as a non-writer who barely can spell his own name legitimately, I I wonder how you guys- It's
1: really hard to spell. Well, yeah. I'll give you credit for that one well
0: exactly so i wonder how you're able to do it are you guys in fact nerds because around here that is a badge of honor or are you just really good researchers with a with a crack team behind you
4: oh no (laughs) the idea of a crack team behind me on (laughs) anything! oh my god no this is my crack team me with a notepad going what am i she is the team yeah i love it but uh Okay, way back machine, uh, g- going back to the original Star Trek. I grew up in Texas, and boy, nerd, geek, whatever
2: was not a good word oh, in our use.
4: No, uh-huh. but, but I was. Golly, I was. You know, and so that meant again back then you didn't have VHS, you didn't have DVD. You, it, it took a lot more effort on my part to find, say, a used bookstore that might have some books about you know Star Trek or money. You know, these mm-hmm. things, or because even then just finding a, a bookstore that might have that kind of material wasn't as, as easy to do. as I mean, now you've got whole sections, but back then you didn't. So, and here, and being older than all you kids there uh, it's like, it, it is nice that it's a badge of honor, but it is a badge of honor. And I do love to do research. So I guess it's a combo of things.
2: Yeah. And, and it's, it has become this whole, the, the center of this culture that yeah. as it was not something you'd want to admit to when when we were kids, Mm-mm. you have to hide it and mm. bring it out in the dark With when you met a friend and shared it with them. But I think it was, for me, it was more, I was just compelled by the stories and it didn't have to be, uh, you know, nerdly stories. It could be the Iliad and the Odyssey. It could, be, it could be something even, you know, stuffy as long as it was compelling character stuff. I think heroic stories grabbed me. And so that let me ease into the nerd side of things pretty easily, but it could be Lawrence of Arabia or or it could be something that you wouldn't necessarily think of as comic con stories, but as long as the characters were intense, that's that got my, that got my interest and it happened. It just happened. Neither one of us planned to write animation. It was just the first gig that opened up out here. Sure. Yeah. And so, so it happened that we found ourselves in this world where the coolest most exciting most ambitious stuff in animation became superhero stuff we've written all sorts of younger stuff mm-hmm. all sorts of gentler stuff but it always comes back to can we write a, a good character yeah in 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 the story if it's winnie the pooh you know what kind of intense drama can we do for these sweet little characters but you find it but you find it yeah. you, you know you find it through the characters and fucking rabbit's hole yeah 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 and <laughs> and it becomes it becomes life and death for them and that's mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. hard thing to imagine before you get into trying to, to make the stories work but you can at all these different levels you can make it just as dramatic if it's or something that small but it you know when you're a kid it's like misunderstandings or Oh my God, my life's over because yeah. I don't have my doll or I don't have mm-hmm. my my friend is moving away. You know, there was a I think there was a Pooh episode where Piglet thought Pooh was leaving, you know, was moving. Mm-hmm. And that's all it was was a 10-minute misunderstanding and realized, oh, he's not. My life isn't over, my friend isn't going. And that's just as exciting to write as the Phoenix saga. It's just, it's just a different, it's just smaller. I like it.
0: Okay.
1: So Eric, you had actually mentioned something in your answer to Tim's question that totally leads into my next question. My husband was a huge fan of Gargoyles. Uh And one of the things that he nerded out the most about to me was these Shakespearean characters that were real in the Gargoyles universe. And you both wrote episodes of Macbeth, King Arthur, Oberon, (laughs) Huck, lots of other characters that were real people in these settings. So what is it like to get to write in a universe where some of literature's best fiction is actually fact? Like, that's just, that's fun.
4: No, you know, all, all of it, it. There is a certain, and I, I will say a certain um, innocent arrogance. It's like, Oh, okay. This, sure. You know, but, but, but I want to clarify on Gargoyles. I'm specifically involved with the last season, which I know for the purists may not be their favorite, but <laughs> Gargoyles itself was such a rich universe. And we want to give credit to
2: uh, Greg Wiseman.
4: Greg Wiseman. I, I see behind you there, Nick, yeah. that, that, to creating that entire yeah. universe. Yeah, he
2: was a buddy of ours at, 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 Disney. at, at Disney. And mm-hmm. uh, when we were, we were there for East for about, a little over three years,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and he just got started there. And that was his one big thing. He hadn't actually written very much, and but he got hold of this, and he ran with it, and he made, you know, he the made universe. it his, and it was entirely his. And he fin- they finished up 65 episodes, which is generally the, like the maximum and okay, that's all you need to syndicate forever. Mm-hmm. And so they were done. And then this, we got in this weird thing where we were a freelance by then. And Disney called a friend of ours at Disney, Jay Fukuda, who produced the show, called us up and said, well, we just got this weird order. They, uh, Disney just bought ABC network and they want to put new stuff on it. And they looked at what's what we've done and we've finished with gargoyles, but they want to do kind of a twist on gargoyles. Can you guys do it? Because uh, Greg isn't interested in doing it. Sure, you yeah, know, we'll run with that. And so it was, to us, a great fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. It was, again, different. They were over in this mythical land in, in, in Scotland and now suddenly they're in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And, but it was this odd... Kind of business decision by Disney to say, "Oh, we want another season, but we want it to be different," mm-hmm. and and that was that was cool for us because we got to write thirteen fun stories. But for the some of the people that really loved the series, it was so off canon, it was so different that they just really never enjoyed it. And and so that that was I... we 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 know we we get it, <laughs> uh, but it's just. That was we were kind of given the, the instructions to make it different. So,
4: but but to your point or to, to the point for your husband, um, I got I wrote an episode called "The Dying of the Light," where um, oh I'm blank I'm seeing him I'm looking right at him but the gargoyle with the one eye. Uh,
2: yeah, the older guy, right? Yeah. yeah, Ed Asner.
4: Ed Asner. The the thrill <laughs> wasn't necessarily the playground of the gargoyles universe where oh these characters exist and this is happening and this is real it was i got to write for ed asner <laughs> that was, oh my god yeah. you know and that that yeah, was cool. that was a big thrill you know so yeah that yeah. that was fun
2: yeah we 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 were gratified to be able to be part of that for a season and yeah. yet it was uh, cuz it was odd because the bosses wanted it different so <laughs> so there's there's your sum of of our our year on the, on the yeah. show
1: but i got to write for ed asner <laughs> yeah. you know that's one of the shows that my husband's like I can't believe you didn't watch that. I'm like, I wasn't allowed to. That was one that my mom was like, no, you're not watching that. Um, okay. It, it freaked her out. She, didn't, she wasn't okay with that one. I watched X-Men. I watched Darkwing Duck until I got banned from watching Darkwing Duck. Um, <laughs> it's a great
0: story.
4: Tidbit here. Uh, at Fox Kids, you, you worked on the last season as a showrunner on... Beetlejuice. On Beetlejuice. When hmm? it moved over to Fox Kids. And uh, asking them a couple of years later, like on X-Men, it's like, are you getting any kind of like angry mom letters? That was always kind of the phrase, the angry mom letter. Mm-hmm. And X-Men, in spite of the stories that- In spite told- of
2: the, the quote, unquote, serious heavy duty adult violence that pervaded the series, very few angry mom letters. Of all the things they said, their biggest problem was Beetlejuice because middle America devout parents were not- keen on a show about a demon from the underworld
1: right right the
2: the lead character and the aspirational (laughs) you know mischief maker uh so yeah they they a lot of a lot of families found beetlejuice demonic which of course we chuckle at. we're writing it because we're just having fun with this goofy character from the movie but you can see the connection Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah definitely
1: yeah the the gargoyles thing growing up was that the gargoyles freaked my mom out for some reason. I don't remember what it was exactly. Mm-hmm. Darkwing Duck, I got in trouble for telling an adult to suck gas, evildoer. Uh, <laughs> and I was told I was no longer allowed to watch the show.
4: <laughs> did you say cool beans to anyone? That did. I still say
1: cool beans.
0: I still say cool beans.
1: Which is really, hole. it's great yeah. though. I've actually got all of Darkwing Duck on DVD because <laughs> my husband bought them for me. Oh, nice! Nice. Much to my mother's dismay. But... And yet another
0: episode where we bring this up in your mother's.
3: Been oh yeah, so thrilled no, she's to watch gonna watch again.
1: this one and be like, "Seriously, again?" Hi, Kathleen's mom.
3: <laughs> we even got um, who was it that we
1: interviewed? Michael Bell. Yeah, Michael Bell. I got who, the, voice the voice of, of Quacker Jack. Of Quacker Jack. I've got an autographed picture from him, and my mom was like, "Can't believe you brought that story up again." I'm like, "I'm gonna keep bringing it up because." <laughs> It's
3: comedy gold, in my opinion. So So we have a Facebook group that has over 200,000 members, and it is just filled with meme after meme after meme after meme meme of science fiction stuff. So what two characters, you can each pick one, would you like to see come together from two different universes and to have their own show together?
4: Me and Spock. That's,
3: that's that's what
4: I want I've always wanted that I've wanted that desperately my whole life but but you're just saying in the in the, in the realm of pop culture science fiction which two characters would be, would be for me fun to have it aside from me and Spock um okay I'll think on that for
3: a moment so uh there's the-
4: almost too much to choose from you know if, if we yeah you know.
3: they could either be enemies or they could work together
2: Ma- Magneto and Kirk
4: Ooh, that's interesting
2: all right mm. Battle of wills between.
4: All right, I have seen. uh th- th- there is these. This book exists. I've seen it online, but um, McCoy from Star Trek and uh, Hank McCoy from X Men together in a couple of crossover X Men oh, uh, so Star cool.
0: Trek
3: episodes,
4: and it's just it's a hoot. You know, some real McCoy. Like, McCoy and both heads snap, and then they turn back to each other and kind of growl at each other. And, uh, yeah,
1: that
3: would be cool.
2: That's awesome. So if
1: it's if it's you and Spock. Mm. Nimoy Spock, right? Yeah. Oh
4: yeah. Oh yeah. Gotta be. And we're on the USS Optimi, and I'm the chief medical officer, and that is our ship, the USS Hope, that goes out there and is after wars and stuff. It's a medical ship. And I'm I'm in charge of the ship. But Somebody thought I feel like about you put a lot of thought into it. this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you you touched some a deep nerve. <laughs> <herb>. You touched <laughs> a
0: deep this. Clearly this has never been thought about before. So never know. come up.
4: <laughs> no, no, and optima because uh, uh corruptio optima pessima, the corruption of the best is the worst. So optima being the best. So going out there and you're saving people who've been hurt by war. Golly, why haven't I written that yet? Come on, that's fan that's some fanfic that goes back three, four, five decades.
0: Yeah. There you go. There <laughs> you Write go. it down before you forget it. <laughs> oh no bad. All right. Well, Eric and Julia, we're at a point in the show where we like to take our guests. a little bit of a quiz okay and so what we decided to do typically what we do is something about the 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 guests what they have who they are what they are what they've done and so since we've been talking a lot about x-men and we're talking a lot about x-men 97 and how cool it's going to (laughs) be once it comes back um we thought what we'd do is we would take you through an x-men quiz it's four questions long all right i love the look of worry that's awesome all right so it's a four Usually question the local quiz.
1: Worry is followed by them completely destroying Please. your quiz. Yeah, I
0: know. They're going to stomp Same all over class. it. And that's okay. <laughs> Lulling you into a false sense of security here. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So it's a four question quiz. All, all the questions are multiple choice. If you get three of the four questions correct, we want to send you this book, which is called Custodians of the Cosmos. Now, this is written by Drayton Allen, also Nick's dad, who is the founder of our Facebook group.
2: Really? Now,
0: this book is written about a young man who wanted to join something quite like Starfleet, but not Starfleet for litigious reasons. And <laughs> after after he failed and rejoined as a custodian, it allowed him to boldly clean up after those who had boldly just went. So that's the book. And we would like to send that to you, okay?
4: We'd like to win it. We'd like to get right. okay. it. Right. So,
0: all right, so there are four questions. Three. If you get three correct, we send you the book. If okay. you get less than three correct, we take a picture of you. We make a meme out of you and we put it in our Facebook group as our fun sequence.
4: Oh, God. We
2: okay. <laughs> better suck
4: it up. Here. Yeah, okay. okay. But,
0: but if you do get a meme, you're in good company. Dan Pavanmeyer from Phineas and Ferb also has a meme. So
4: can, I, can you take a picture of us with this over our faces? Just Sure. So <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: All right. Take us out, Nick.
3: Where do the X-Men train? Is it the chaos room, danger room, or the crisis room?
2: Danger
1: room.
3: You are correct.
1: Question number two. Which mutant is a Holocaust survivor? Magneto. <laughs> oh, we, we didn't get it.
4: We did not get our, our three.
2: You got it right
1: You've
4: totally made me blur.
2: No, <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. I, I did that
4: wrong. That was your magneto power. <laughs> but we didn't get our three choices. Either. You did not. We but you got it right, right? You totally did. got it right. Oh,
2: you totally got it right.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Tell We're me that you. It. Tell me that your questions aren't strong enough without telling me your questions right?
1: aren't strong enough. Gosh, Tim, <laughs> we need a better writer.
0: We do. You know anybody?
3: <laughs> <laughs> what is Kitty Pride's original code name? Is it Pixie, Storm, or Sprite? Number
2: three. Sprite. Sprite. Correct.
4: Woo! We got the book. You we did. The book. But but and, we, oh, you have four questions. You got one more. Yeah. yeah. We're willing
1: to so question willing. number four, just so that you can make Tim feel like his quizzes are too easy. Hey, we should know this stuff. Oh, okay. I upset Tim and made him weak. No. <laughs> what device did Professor X create to locate other mutants? Was that A, Danger-O, B, Cerbro, or C, Jarvis? Like, it's B, but I liked A.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank Danger you. O. Thank you.
1: I'm surprised and, Spaghetti-O wasn't an option on that one. Honestly? Don't
2: push me, because it almost was. <laughs> Guys, I, I, I hate to say this, because I, I, I know I'm late with my answer, but you wanted uh, the two characters from Pop. Oh. From, and I, I figured out a, a much cleverer answer than my first one. Ooh, so yes. I, I, can, I can cheat on this. Sure. Apocalypse, from our show.
4: Okay. <gasps> I know where you're going.
2: You know where I'm going. Oh. And the first Klingon commander in Star Trek, the original series, Kor, who fights with uh, Kirk. Kirk it's like episode 26 David or 27 anyway it's, it's it's towards it's at the very end of the first season
4: first time you meet the Klingon commander
2: and the reason those two should be thrown together in an exciting show is because the same actor was was both of them oh cool. first Klingon commander in 1966 67 was John Colicos, and he was the voice of our Apocalypse in the X-Men, same guy.
4: And as Star Trek nerds, we didn't know, we didn't know. We didn't know. That's awesome. Uh, we found out sadly after he had passed and it's like our brains exploded. It's like, how can... <laughs> so close and yet so, so far, but yeah, that's, that's a good one.
0: So, well, yeah. not only do we, I, I accept your your reconfiguration of your answer, but because it's got such a cool little Easter egg attached to it, I'm gonna make sure that we send you one of these as well. This is a coffee mug that says, I gave to the red shirt widows and Orphans Fund. Oh! Okay. So we'll send you guys each one of those as well. The other okay? side of
1: it has the Funny Science Fiction Podcast logo on it. <gasps>
0: so, but yeah, we'll we'll send you each a book and each a coffee mug. Okay. So you yeah, guys, you, nice. won't, you won't have to fight over the book.
4: Oh, thank you. Because we do occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I understand that. My husband and I are the same way.
0: Well, Eric and Julia,
3: thank you so much for being on our show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and what you're working on?
4: Please. Um, if... I am on social media daily, which I probably shouldn't be, but I am. Our hashtag is X-Men TAS, and that's for X-Men the Animated Series. So X-Men TAS on Facebook, X-Men TAS on Instagram, uh, X-Men TAS.com is our website where we have um, some blog postings, you know, behind the scenes photos and all kinds of fun stuff. So the big Facebook, Instagram, uh, and, a, and a blog spot. So please come find us. We try and you know communicate with folks as best we can. I think Tim, awesome. how you found us was Twitter. was Twitter. Yeah. I think, yeah. And hopefully we'll be getting out to a few more cons as hopefully the years the
2: including Grand Rapids. Yes, looking forward to seeing
1: you there. Yeah, I've already texted my husband with the. You're going Con to Grand November? Rapids. <laughs> I mean, it's 45 minutes from my mom's house. Come on. Well, so there you go. Uh,
4: that and that's that's us. We were out there shouting in the wilderness for the last several years about X-Men. Anyone remember X-Men? Because it was
2: was kind of quiet for a while. Yeah.
4: But that's what got him going on writing his first book called previously on X-Men, which is an oral history of the show. And you can get it, um, Jacob's Brown media or through Amazon or through our website. And then that gave us the excuse when they called us to write X-Men, the art and making of the animated series also available through Amazon uh abrams publishing we encourage you to reach out to your local comic book shops because these last two years have been rough but um, those are the ways ways to get the book Uh, find us on twitter and we have links to amazon through there
1: awesome perfect we are going to definitely link all of your socials oh thank you yeah we want people to find you we want to support the arts (laughs) support x-men exactly
0: that's how we get this stuff to come back and be awesome and we also want to take the time to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help us to continue to grow to continue to get amazing guests like eric and julia leewald here today to to have these conversations with us uh and enjoy these little moments of nerdery and just just to be happy so please click that subscribe button down there it does more good than you think it's going to and please click the links down below go check out eric and julia's sites and make sure that you're following them for news and updates as it comes along and if for some reason you are not happy with the content of our show today please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department young hercules virtuous and pure yet strong enough to rebuke any attempts of bribery or threats of a physical violence but because he is a demigod and a little busy handling complaints from the, the world over, if you know what I mean, you might want to keep an extra copy of that complaint around just in case. But rest assured, due to his strength and stamina, he won't rest till the case is closed and you're satisfied. Well, thanks again, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. This has been a lot of fun. All right, guys, that's going to conclude us for Funny Science Fiction Podcast. Goodbye.